This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Wednesday, May 31st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's always fun informative and entertaining when the star sports columnists get together and that's what we have today Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell weigh in on several topics starting with the Chiefs and DeAndre Hopkins should the Chiefs pursue the three-time all-pro we also talk about the team's impending visit to the White House after a break we switch gears and discuss soccer the recent success of Sporting Kansas City and Vahe's visit to the Casey Current, where he spent a day with the team. Finally, we save the final few minutes talking about Kansas City's new airport. Sports writers fly plenty, and we've all been to the airport several times. What's the consensus of opinion on the new digs? Okay, let's get started. Once in a while, especially during this time of year, we uh, find ourselves looking for stories to write, right, and things to talk about. The Royals are helplessly out of contention, it's it's not even June. Um, Chiefs are in OTAs, we're all gearing up for training camp in July. The soccer is off to a slow start, but I do want to get back to the soccer in a minute because things have turned around for both sporting and, well, for sporting for sure. Um, Anyway, this is a introduction uh, that says I really don't have a good topic for a podcast and so who do I call when I don't have a good topic for a podcast Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell two guys can chew the fat about nothing as well as anybody I know <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to bring that in for a landing <laughs> nicely done not, no I was going to say not, not, not. but here we are uh, there are a, f- a few topics um, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't uh, signed yet released I think officially I think it's by the time we record this which is Tuesday afternoon I think it's been official now that he's released by the Arizona Cardinals how about just a really quick thought on whether the Chiefs should sign DeAndre Hopkins or not go after DeAndre Hopkins I defer to the economic analyst here, who uh, I think will have a sharp, a sharp sense of it who better, not, better than I do. When he's not balancing the budget. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I really think not. Um, especially, I think Odell Beckham Jr.'s one-year deal would probably make DeAndre Hopkins say, he set out the whole season, why can't I get $15 million guaranteed? First of all, the Chiefs just don't have that much salary cap room. They ate a lot of their salary cap room signing well, left tackle with Donovan Smith, um, which I think is a good investment, but it is an investment they already made that probably precludes them from making a significant move, so the player would just have to take a lot less money. I've never thought DeAndre Hopkins would be a good fit for the Chiefs offense. He is a contested catch wide receiver for a quarterback that does not like to throw contested balls. So I don't think he's a great fit um, here. As far as from his perspective, I don't think he should be looking at Kansas City and saying that's the place that's going to get the most out of my talents. 
just because they have a good offense, just because they have a good quarterback and a good head coach. Um, I think you've got other teams that would throw him more 50-50 balls that he would be a good fit for. But um, So those are, are two really big hurdles that I don't think make a lot of sense. Is there a price point that some some spot where it's like irresistible? Yeah, I, mean, I think the Juju Smith-Schuster deal from last year is probably a good example where it's a heavy incentive deal, a lot less on the upfront guarantees. The thing to keep in mind about all this is it's not just the salary cap. When you guarantee somebody a lot of money, you got to pay them when they sign. And look, the Chiefs have a salary cap budget and they have a cash budget. And those are often two different things. And the cash budget, I think, here is probably smaller than it is a lot of places. We've seen, um, you know, some recent evidence, even with the Players Association thing, Clark Hunt doesn't like to just willfully spend money on things that he doesn't think are necessary. So the money is one part of this question, huge part, maybe the dominating part, but, but the need versus the money is, of course, the, the, the real equation. Um, I feel like... They, I feel like they can roll with what they've got. I don't know if you guys feel like that. You just wrote, a, you wrote about it the other day. Just because they have Justin Watson. Well, that's a big part of the puzzle. <laughs> but don't, but don't you? I guess look, that's maybe one of the big questions going into the into the season. But you wrote about it the other day, about two weeks ago, I think. Um, what refresh us on what what you what you think that yeah, they man, have I, right now? I understand why the wide receiver group is a topic of conversation it's the second straight off season i think when you go out and watch practice at uh otas it's the position i think we're all going to look for the most because it provides the most uncertainty in terms of the depth chart we don't know who the chief's number one wide receiver is going to be next year we don't even know who their number two wide receiver is going to be next year but I just think it's overstated how much that they lost last year. When you look like McCole Hardman, yes, McCole Hardman signed with the New York Jets. Um, they went 10-1 and without McCole Hardman last year. And, you know, they also won a game where he barely played in the AFC Championship game. So 11-1 and in games he did not finish last year. They were fine without McCole Hardman on the field last year. Juju Smith-Schuster overall had a good year and had a really good, like, four-week stretch. But his last 11 games, he caught one touchdown, including the playoffs. Um, and he averaged 40 yards per game. It's just, it's not as much to replace. The only thing is, Juju fit the exact same role that like Byron Pringle did the year before. Sammy Watkins did the three years prior to that, which is he plays more of the X wide receiver guy that's going to face more press coverage, guy that's going to run a little bit more underneath stuff. And so if you're looking for type of wide receiver, I mean, Hopkins is more of that type of wide receiver. Um, but I also think that's why they drafted Rasheed Rice. I think that's the position that they envision him being. So it's always the other thing. I mean, the Chiefs have a lot of young, promising talent at wide receiver. It's Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony, Rasheed Rice. I think there's – you'd like to see those guys get some snaps, right? I mean, I think – one of the, we all like Sky Moore, at least to a certain degree, last year. And if you're ever going to get anything out of him that's worth that second-round pick, he's going to have to be on the field. You made some great points about his, the separation he was getting. And, yeah, and yeah. I, the guy that – I mean, I just can't wait to see. And, of course, there is a reason we're, we're having to wait to see because of his injured past. But I can't wait to see a full season of Kadarius Tony. I, I really think he's – 
He's maybe one of the X factors in what this team can be. I spoke to Jesse Newell about this yesterday, our, our Chiefs beat writer, and he, he agreed. He, he thinks it's uh, less likely that the Chiefs will sign DeAndre Hopkins. There are, uh, and of course, there, there was a report on Monday, was it? SI.com came out with uh, Bills or Chiefs, uh, almost in either war. Uh, there are many other teams that would that are in a better position to sign Hopkins than either the Chiefs or the Bills, just in terms of a salary cap and what they already have. When I look at the Chiefs' wide receiver core, I, I'm, I'm looking for the guy who, from this group, has had a monster year as an NFL receiver. And there isn't anybody. There isn't. I mean, even Juju Smith-Schuster last year had some really big seasons in Pittsburgh. Tyreek Hill before him, of course. There isn't anybody who's been, you know, had a leading receiver, a number one receiver type of season for his team. But it's not to say that any one of these guys can't do that for the for the Chiefs this year. And in this offense and with this quarterback, um, I, I'm I'm confident that everybody's numbers are going to go up. Um, Jesse also made the point. I thought it was a good one that you you, you sign. You know De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and what do you what are we looking at? Eighty receptions, one hundred and eleven targets, something like that. That's one hundred eleven, one hundred and ten top uh, targets that others aren't going to get. Guys that you want to develop a little bit, like Rice and Tony, and you know you want to see what they've got. Um, and so, I, I think the days of the Chiefs targeting a wide receiver one hundred eleven times are probably past. Pro- you're I mean, right. I think that's, that's I think that's like the reason that they moved away from Tyree Kill was because they force fed a receiver, and they became way too predictable. I think yeah. that's one of the reasons the variety of skill sets. Wide receiver, the way you build the position generally in the NFL is your strongest with your depth. Like the you've, if you've got three wide receivers on the field, you only need one of them to be open. So if you've got the best guy in the field, but he's double teamed and you're two and three, just cannot beat one-on-one coverage, it doesn't matter how good your number one is. If your number three is really good, then, yeah, I mean, one of those three guys theoretically should be open. And I'd also just remind, like, Travis Kelsey is a number one wide receiver. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's still here. There, there is him. But I think you're right. And and you could say maybe we're retrofitting this to the Tyree Kill trade, but I think each of us in this room had thought um, that there's something that had gotten a little predictable slash stale, something a little too dependent on the two-headed monster of, of Travis and Tyreek that you'd rather have Tyreek Kill than not. On the other hand, it forced diversification of a sort that, was going to reset the offense in some ways and seemed to work out last season. Somehow. Yeah. 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 Travis Kelsey, I'm looking it up now, only lined up on the line of scrimmage 26% of the plays last year. So three out of every four plays, <laughs> he's, you know, 44% of the time he's in the slot. 30% of the time he's lined up out wide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, they don't have and, – and by the way, the Chiefs led the NFL last year in putting three tight ends on the field. They brought four tight ends back this year. I think it surprised us all when they brought back the entire group because by the end of the season, they had to choose one of those guys not to dress. I mean, Blake Bell didn't get to play the Super Bowl. Right. It surprised us all because he'd been playing for a lot, but it was like, well, somebody's got to sit out. So I think what you're going to see is, you know, Kelsey continue to play in more of the wide receiver role because it has increased. I'm looking at it now. I mean, it was... 
28% in 2020 that he was in the slot, 32% the year before, jumped up to 45 and 44 these last two years. Numbers jumped up as far as um, how much he lines up wide. So you're looking at it, it used to be one out of every three snaps he was on the line, now it's one out of every four. I and mean, they use him more as a traditional wide receiver now. And it's because you know they like guys like Fortson Bell, um, Noah Gray that could potentially play a little bit more as a, as a traditional tight end. I just I just think they have ways around this problem. And in his was was it his thirty three year old year? Kelsey said yeah. a personal best for touchdown he'll, receptions. He'll be, I think he'll be thirty uh, thirty four in uh, October. Okay, so it'll yeah. be like week four, or week five of the season. Then, which I mean, that's a real factor for sure. I mean, it, it's at some point you're going to see a, a drop off. Yeah, some diminishing Kelsey. returns. Yeah. No, no doubt that's it's going to happen. Who knows when it's going to be? Yeah. It doesn't. Didn't wasn't slowed down last year. No, and it's it's not like the Chiefs are not spending anything on wide receivers just because they're not going out and getting a DeAndre Hopkins, a second round pick this year, a second round pick last year, really a first round pick the year before because that's where Kadarius Tony mm-hmm. was taken, and they had to expend a third round pick to get him. I mean. They're not. They might not be spending finances on it, but they're spending a lot of capital on it. It's just through the draft, which is the way they're building their entire roster. Okay, it's been more than a a month, or maybe just maybe two or three weeks since the NFL schedule was announced. But we already know the Chiefs' first road trip is coming up next week. They're going to Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. They're going to the White House. Um, Sam, you are going to cover that event. Vahe, you have already covered a White House visit with a championship team. Let's start with that. Um, what, what are your your fond memories of visiting the White House with the Royals after the 2015? Well, it was going to be great no matter what, right? The whole setting is is, is just pretty cool. And, and you know, we've been lucky to be at the White House. We had a trip there before. and yeah. um, But I dare say not many of us get to go to the White House, right? So just start with that. And then the idea of, you know, overlaying our people on that, right? And then in that situation, Josh Ernest from Kansas City was the White House press secretary. So there was a certain, I think, extra magic to that. And I think also uh, because it was, I'm, boy, I'm not sure this is true, but wouldn't that have been Kansas City's first team to ever go to the White House? Did the 85 Royals go there? I don't, I don't know that answer. It was like an 80... Or, or the, I, I, I don't was, remember. I, I remember. Certainly not the 70... The, the 88 Chiefs. Jayhawks went after winning okay. the NCAA. Okay. A picture of Larry Brown and Ronald Reagan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Out. But I don't remember if the 85 Royals went. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't either, and I, I should have checked. I meant to check before we got on the air here, but... And we know that the 2019 Chiefs didn't go. Right, because offset by COVID, right? right? And, it's, and the... Uh, the first Chiefs winning Super Bowl team, Richard Nixon, called Lynn Dawson in the locker room. Uh, in the locker room yeah. after the game, I, I I I recently had looked it up and found what year they started this tradition. To as far it started in 1980, so I guess yeah, not sure if the '85 Royals would have visited the White House. And it was across different sports at different times too. I think is part of it. Anyway, pardon me. I digress from the real point. I mean, yeah, there was nineteen eighty five. The Royals, the Royals did go. They yeah. did go. Well, how about that? I, I didn't know that. Also, a, a a Reagan year. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, here's we got got a photo of Ronald Reagan. Um, got manager Dick Hauser. I'm sure, George Brett's right in the thick of it. Um, out on the out on the. I I don't out on see. The lawn. I don't. Oh yeah, George is here. Um, 
Willie Wilson, Quisenberry, Frank White, Brett Saberhagen, Hal McRae, Steve Balboni were the ones um, ones to attend. Pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah, we'll have to we'll get that. We'll have to yeah. find that photo somewhere. Maybe it's one of these boxes. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that Sam and I. Uh, wow. Yeah. Went through the other day. Um, in the studio here. Yeah. Uh, but look, it was it had it has a certain magic to it. I guess that's the best way I can put it. And and to see you know the, the president of the United States, uh, Barack Obama, um, and and the kind of interplay between the president and the people you follow near and dear to this. I just think that's that's just just so out of out of uh the norm for us and i think that'll be something sam will really enjoy yeah, a lot of people meeting the president for the first time meeting a president yeah. for the first time you yeah. imagine i mean certainly don't know all these guys history but don't know if patrick Mahomes has ever shook the hands of a president before or even andy Reid, for that matter okay. um i mean obviously came up short in philadelphia during his time there um not not positive if he had that opportunity when the Packers won, but there's just going to be a lot of people that are experienced. You know, Clark Hunt's never visited, at least in this capacity, as an owner of the Kansas City Chiefs winning Super Bowl team. So, And I remember, uh, didn't we have some concept of a story idea when, when Patrick was first getting started here from White House, Texas, yep. to the White House? Here you go. Did, Patrick yeah. made a point of saying he'd never never even been to the White House, and he's fairly well-traveled even before he was at, with the Chiefs. So... I think he'll. I think Patrick's intriguing in this because he tends to be, despite all his worldliness and all the things he's done. There's a little bit of a wide-eyed aspect to him on on something like this. I think he'll really revel in the moment, and I I I, I think it'll be interesting if you if you get to talk to him. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up about Mahomes and how he seems to just be. Uh, a fan of a lot of sports. Yeah. He seems to be a fan of sports, yeah. Yeah. not just his sport. Yeah, the fact that he, you know, Derby on Saturday, F one race on Sunday, because he wanted, he didn't want to be seen. He wanted to go to the events. He wanted to be there. Now, of course, you're seen when you're Patrick Mahomes, yeah, yeah. Um, and you got Brittany with you, and you're posing for photos at the Kentucky Derby. But he, he's he's been to other championship events. I can see him, you know. At the Masters, maybe he's been. Has he been to the Masters? I don't recall him being at the Masters, but Stanley but, I, Cup but finals, I, right? I think you're right. I mean, the catalog is really growing, and what is interesting is though that to to your point, I mean he he seems to look at it through that lens. You know, it may be innocence too strong, right? But 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 sort of that, right? And I'm I wouldn't be surprised if he literally had a bucket list of of I want to get to this and that. I mean, he had a pretty explicit rationale for wanting to go to the Derby. Um, that he'd always wanted to go, couldn't quite go a couple other times. And, right. Um, I, anyway, that's... Heck, before he became the starting quarterback here, he, he went to a T-Bones game, <laughs> went out to the NASCAR. Was he, I mean, and he was wearing jorts, at the, yes, you know, trying to I fit mean, in. He just, <laughs> he just loves going to games. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's fantastic. All right, guys, let's take a break. There's a couple other topics we need to hit when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. 
We are shooting the breeze with star <laughs> sports columnists Sam McTall and Vahe Gregorian. You know, it is a show about nothing, Blair. And, and, and that's, that's what we do best. I think that's what you were trying to say earlier. <laughs> Politely, yeah. I'm trying to... <laughs> um, Sam, the last time we talked, I believe, was after you wrote a column uh, that was critical, critical of Sporting Kansas City. And... Uh, Manager Peter Vermees. I mean, it wasn't critical of Vermees, but it did suggest that you know he he was not you know he could you know, didn't necessarily have the ability to survive a terrible season. And at the time, it had been a terrible season for Sporting. Since then, however, three wins in four games looked really good on uh, the weekend. Was it Saturday or Sunday? They played Portland. Uh, Sunday, yeah. Sunday, four to one victory, and um, they had they had a kind of a crazy loss before then but a couple of wins anyway they've been playing pretty well lately and is it turned around do they have it uh, I, I think they're probably somewhere in between I mean what are they three one and one I think in their last five um but, yeah good tie know, in Seattle right yeah um tie at LA they beat oh, Seattle. LA that's right they went to Seattle that started the win at yeah, Seattle yeah um so I mean the St. Louis match is this uh, weird one because if Sporting was playing really well, you'd probably accept the excuse that they were traveling midweek to LA, traveling back to St. Louis, which should have been their easiest trip of the year, became probably their hardest trip of the year. And St. Louis rested the entire week from home to home. So should have been a legitimate excuse, but I think people are tired of hearing <laughs> a, a, a list of excuses. So um, it's it's changed the perception of that one. But overall, yeah, I mean, I still... I think Tim Milia being out is, is bigger than I anticipated it would be because I thought John Polskamp was a solid number two, but he's losing playing time to, to Kendall McIntosh, and I think that could be a concern in, in close games. I think you could lose a game because of that change. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're creating chances. They're, they're, like, enjoyable to watch their games. Like, I look forward to watching them play, and it felt like homework for the first couple of months of the season to sit down and watch them play. And like I said, other than that St. Louis match, I mean, you look back at their other four matches, these last five, I mean, Seattle match was an enjoyable match to watch. Um, obviously, they, they killed Minnesota, one of the most lopsided games I think they played in a few years. The LAFC was a really entertaining match. And then they played really well against Portland. Obviously, they gave up the first goal in that game, but they played really well in that game. And that's another thing is two of these five games we're talking about that they've got two of the four they've gotten points they allowed the first goal and for the first two months of the season I think when they allowed the first goal it was, it was over it was over mm -hmm. yeah and they, they were not scoring they got shut out and was it uh, they had four goals in like what eight matches it was ridiculous the first eight matches yeah, it was ridiculous yeah. yeah yep ridiculous um and it was so odd to look at the standing and see Sporting Kansas City at the bottom at the very bottom for a while um glad to see them coming out of this and Vahe you've spent some time over at uh, uh with the KC Current kind of embedded over there for you know for a day um kind of a little bit behind the scenes uh, wrote a nice column from it what um uh what were the uh, what was learned by spending as much time uh with the KC Current as you did uh, did it did you learn anything or did it just reinforce some ideas that you had about 
a, a little bit of a little bit of both. Um, you know, one thing I didn't expect this. This was sort of a corollary part of the day. I, I, you know, I guess I sort of just didn't think about their administrative offices being there, and to walk in through that section of of the building. Let's remember that this practice facility they have is still still not duplicated um, in maybe in any women's professional sports, but certainly in the NWSL and. I, I just wasn't prepared to see that there are some 50, 60, 70 people working the floor of this operation from the administrative standpoint of everything from, you know, uh, communications to content to, to legal to branding and marketing and advertising. So all these things are percolating all the time. Um, that kind of reinforced something I thought but didn't have a visual on. Um, and even though we've been at the building a few times, haven't really been in before and you got... Right some sense of the pulse of that, and really a sense of what that means. I remember, Sam, I think you were out there too, but I remember Blair and I were specifically speaking to, gosh, it'll lose me which player it was, but the day they dedicated the facility, and when they started talking about all the things they'd been through for women's sports and, you know, playing and, you know, having to get dressed in trailers and going to a place a mile away to, to go to the bathroom and, you know, just all these ridiculous things that are you know, from the Jurassic era that should be and now are finally in play for them, um, to see it in practice was kind of cool. And the thing that actually, it was a very little thing, but it really stuck with me, was going into their dining room and, you know, chef at work, and they're all in there about 8, 8.15, you know, the first meeting's at 9.15. I mean, this is a sort of central gathering place for them that they've never had before. And being down the hall and hearing, you know, 12 of them laughing out loud and stuff like that. And you just, you think of what that means to that kind of culture, that kind of feeling. Um, something that you would assume they should have and realize they didn't have. So, as far as, you know, I was impressed with what I thought was sort of the, the, the um, sophistication of the operation. The results haven't been there. Um, not this season. Not this season. And, and you know, so we... As some of our listeners probably know, I mean, they have an interim coach, Carolyn Herblum, um, who is of Swedish descent, and uh, I, I found to be a very interesting person who's really got a, a nice resume, um, nice set of experiences. They won the first three games, first three matches, right, Sam? When, when she took over, matches on the pitch. Where, where were they on the table, though? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one, one was in the. Uh, the one was a, a cup game, okay. right? Yeah, they, they just I'm I'm speaking overall because the soccer vernacular sometimes is lost on me. It seems like three in a row is three in a row, whether or not you're in and out of the real season. Is that how? Is that how, is that the right way to put it? Well, <laughs> we'll talk. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to give away too much. Um, but now you know, all of a sudden they've. They, it's four in the season and five overall that they that they've lost after that and I, I enjoyed their game Friday night uh, they they had a you know six seven eight really good chances to even it up in the in the second half or at least to get within one and they, they, they couldn't score I don't know what the missing element is um, and I suppose you know the term we're used to using from the Royals is an evaluation season at this point <laughs> of, of, of the how to handle some of these things in the future but um, look, I think we're all uh, impressed with the broader aspects of their operation, and it'd be nice if they can get this this part cranked up. Right. Well, and of course they they got a late 
jump on the season last year, but once they got rolling, they yeah. didn't stop. It was right about this time last year yeah. when they right. you know, took off for the, the championship yep. game. Yeah, got to the title game. And it is an evaluation season for the Royals. I think it's an evalu- evaluation era for the Royals. Yeah. It's not just a season, it's an era. Yeah. Well, and speaking of the Royals, I wanted to spend some time talking about the, uh, the, the new stadium. But I think what we'll do, we'll, we'll put that off until our next conversation. Um, I know we're all kind of curious about where things stand and how it's going. But uh, there is another civic project that I wanted to speak to you guys about and we'll dedicate this last portion of the show to our old friend Therese Paler who uh, often <laughs> often um, engaged us in a, in a little conversation that he'd like to call we rip your airport and uh, in, with, with the new Kansas City airport open for the last what was it February? What dedicated to March? It was just December? after the Super Bowl, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it was March one or so that it opened. Yeah, we I didn't we didn't fly day. back from Phoenix to the new airport. That was still the old airport. That's yeah. correct, and it but it was before the Big Twelve tournament. Right, right. So I, I late February, early March. I think it was like yeah. March one ish. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I want to get your guys' impressions. Uh, I know the Star is working on a a story and a kind of a project about the first three or four months of the airport with the early impressions. Well, let's beat them to the punch. Um, you guys travel, sports people travel as much as anybody at the newspaper, so we've all had multiple visits to, to the airport. Vahe, lead us off. Yeah, I've been about seven, eight times. I think I flew out of the old airport on the last day of it and back into the new airport on the second the day it opened. Seven or eight times. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just two months. Yeah, it's just really, it's been a lot. There have been a couple of vacations, you know, which you don't know about because you don't take them. <laughs> A um, couple of vacations so and on one trip. Does that count as two visits? To that's the two. Okay. Yeah. Out and back. No, actually, I really six, seven round trips, something like that. Is it really? Yeah, we had a couple. You know, there was NCAA tournament to be played. Uh, uh, yeah. Spring training. That's right, because I was driving the NCAA tournament. Oh yeah, so you that drove. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but look, my feeling is nothing but good. I mean, I, I like it. It feels uh, clean, well lighted place. You come in and. Unlike the, the the drab, kind of lifeless feeling of the old KCI, at least in the last decade or so, you can fly in at 7.30 or 8 o'clock, and all those restaurants are open. Um, and there's a lot. I mean, there's 12, 15 restaurants you'll walk by, and four, five, six are, you know, real sit-down places, but five, six, seven are, you know, grab-and-go and good Many stuff. Many more than the old place. And good brands on them. I mean, things that, you know, you don't feel like you're walking through generic airport anywhere that i mean this airport says kansas city which i think is really cool um obviously the big glitch that everybody's talked about i haven't encountered it yet but is the the tendency to get backed up coming in to pick people up um but i just haven't hit that we've ubered a couple times we've parked there a couple times i've parked long term a couple times everything's really been pretty easy we pay for the tsa pre so our experience getting in is maybe easier than some, but I've never noticed the line backed up, and I keep hearing the line's never backed up. So more than you wanted to hear from me, but I, I feel nothing but positive about it. Sam? I just never, like, walk into airports thinking this is the point of my trip. Um, so to me, it was always about the convenience. I do think the old one was still slightly more convenient for those of us going in and out from Kansas City. But... You know, I mean, I think the airport's great for the city itself. So, 
Um, and you know me, I always think of other people. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all for it. I think what um, you meant to say was I always think strategically. <laughs> there, there is a lot of walking in the new airport. Um, I mean, especially because we often fly southwest because that's what we fly for our jobs. Things can get canceled. We need to have cancelable flights. Um, and the southwest terminal terminal or area the, of the terminal this, is during the 60s or the 50s yeah gates. 50s I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's definitely more walking than the last one um but you're talking about like six minutes long don't yeah don't mind minutes. that at all when you're getting there i think when you get home sometimes you're ready to yeah. get back in your car yeah. there's less walking outside usually though so i mean it probably would be a pretty nice trade-off once we get to these december chiefs games that we're traveling to yeah. you're right it feels more like kansas city um I've been twice. It wasn't quite as busy as what you described it whenever I went. I thought it was pretty quiet um, there, but it's not really if I don't need a yeah, I don't need to go into a bar scene at at the airport anyway. Um, but it makes but, me think of the passenger coming through, right? and what their experience sure, is if yeah. they're if they're whether they're arriving, but but yeah. you know first experience most often a lot of times. yeah, too, yeah. Right. yeah. well, it was, it was the old airport was a nightmare for changing planes. Now for we never those, really we don't, we don't, but, 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 <laughs> but others do. And so it's, it's, I think it's a great airport for that. Uh, my last visit to the airport was to pick up my wife who was coming in from a trip. And oh, so did you get stuck in that? I did not because, um, uh, I parked in the, uh, surface oh. lot. Yeah. 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 So I left my, you know, I, I got there a half hour before a flight landed. Yeah, we're not supposed to give away that trick. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, nobody listens to the podcast anyway. Well, look, so. actually it's for a higher cause, <laughs> which is something you wouldn't know about, but the idea is that, that help others. Our spots, <laughs> our spots are going to be gone. <laughs> We park in this long-term area now. So, but but to to extend the trick even farther. I went to the so, surface lot. It was terrible. So, wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> you can enter the garage from the surface. Just walk surface through, lot. right? Well, or you can drive through. Oh, There's oh, a gate oh. that allows you oh. to drive through. Oh, so, I didn't know that. So, if you see one of the green lights for the parking area, you just drive through to the garage. You get even closer to the to the. Gr- oh. I, I say this because it was about eleven o'clock at night. Karen's flight was on time. We, she comes out. It's just a short little walk to the car. We leave the airport. We get to what is it? Burn Street? Is it Burn? The one where the the exit? There's Paris. There's Burn. Anyway, cars are backed up to that for, oh. for pickup. I could not believe the length of cars. Oh. It's like the final scene in Field of Dreams, where the cars are all coming oh. into the cornfield from miles away. <laughs> um, I said, "Oh my God! These people must be waiting for an hour just to get to the terminal." It's uh, you, the, just, you just thought those poor people uh, <laughs> driving off. So wait a minute, though. Yeah. Just to, to I clarify, mean, I, did have, I had a, I had some empathy. <laughs> I didn't go full Sam McDowell. <laughs> so you didn't encounter that uh, upon your time of arrival, or, she, or you just you were able to you averted that by the lane I, into the parking is. Well, that's right. I got a half an hour. You're going to make a pickup, right? You would go yeah. a half an hour to try to be there. Yeah. Fit, from 15 minutes to a half an hour before that person arrives if the flight's on time and I'm thinking well I'm not going to go to the cell lot I don't need to do that if I have to pay for parking it cost a buck to do what I did right I'd I'd pay five six bucks to to not wait in line for an hour to pick up somebody but the point is also you can you can make that choice as you're driving up because you're just going to go 
the 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 lanes split there that's in such right. a way that if you're deciding to go in and park, you're getting out of that line. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. There's even there's even cover, you know, in the surface lot that'll yeah. take you into the garage. So, well, pro move. You know, listen, um, any if we can help just one person <laughs> <laughs> avoid the stupid lines that are Sam, people still haven't figured the out. The way to do this is like, I mean, Chicago theoretically has this, although I went there once and nobody was doing this. Midway. Yeah, you're supposed to have people out there working that says you can't park here. Right, move along. It's move along. Yeah. you got to pick somebody up or you got to go to the cell phone line. Yeah. And I did get stuck one time. At Midway, and it must have been after hours where those workers were no longer there because it was almost midnight, and somebody was picking me up, and I can see them. I can see their car, and it was literally an hour and a half, and it was five degrees outside. So you're just standing outside because you never know when the traffic's finally going to break. And so I could totally understand why if somebody's had that experience, it sounds like Mitchell Schwartz has had it a couple times. Yes, it does. That that would be incredibly frustrating to sit through. Um, and even more so because I think it's a very simple solution. You can't park there. Yeah. Well, you you got to keep moving. If your person's not there, you got to – if you had gotten there 30 minutes early, you can't wait on Karen for 30 minutes. you got to wait till she calls and then drive up. Yeah, or pay a dollar and park 150 yards away. The yeah. part of that I mean, that's never been too clear to me is whether or not the Uber situation is also part of that. I mean, are you waiting just as long on your Uber because they're funneling in I saw the, the same lights? I saw the, the blue lights in the windshields when I was driving. So that's Lyft, I think. They're yeah, blue, yeah. right? I saw them in line. Yeah. along with all the so, other I mean, people how so terrible they, is that that's awful yeah. i mean that's terrible now yeah. you're you're looking at your phone and now it's going from three minutes to seven minutes to 12 yeah. minutes to 15 minutes and i really can't understand the mindset and i guess it's just hardwired over over decades but the mindset that says i'm going to go sit here and sit and not have any cognizance of those around you right i don't know for, for time it happened to me, I got into a few yelling matches with people that were doing that. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. You know, we were, I don't know if we're burying the lead, but the last thing about this is, I mean, the whole point. I guess I was bringing up how 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 much how bright are, and nice looking recording. it is. <laughs> yeah. No, I just mean that that it it isn't it nice to welcome people to town. However, it is we pick yeah. them up there. Yes. Instead of the old place. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, I, I got to be embarrassed about picking up people at the old place, trying and to say, hey, look, the whole city isn't like this. It's when you like, had people come into town, it was inevitable that if they were visiting for the first time, they were going to mention the airport oh, at some point. That was that was the conversation, driving away from the airport, yeah, how bad yeah. the airport was. Yeah. Um, let me, before, I just want to ask you guys, because I can't remember this. If you're in the uh, the baggage claim area, can you take an escalator back up to ticketing? I've never tried to do it. I'm just trying. I know there are stairs that go up. I don't know if there's an escalator because that's not the natural flow of traffic. No, but there's right? an elevator there that goes up and down. Because I would and consider doing that too if I'm arriving, getting my baggage. I would yeah. go back upstairs to arrivals. There's nobody waiting, in, you know, there. It's, it's in my mind's eye. Pick, pick I picture I picture two escalators going down from the main level, an elevator in between, and I think parallel escalators coming up on the other side. I feel like there's other escalators on the other side, but I'm kind of only guessing. And I would guess Actually, the, that can't be right because that's a secured area. I would guess the bottom of that funnel would be the issue, though, rather than the top of that funnel, in which case you'd still pr- probably run into that backup, right? 
Because that'd be before it would split to the arrivals and departures area? Yeah, yes. So you'd probably still be stuck back there even if you did that. that that's right. It just, the, once, I mean, that, that's that's a good it point. It save you the end of the the, end of the At funnel. the end, but, but yeah. there, there's not an open lane for arrivals. Yeah. To, to, the, to clarify the point I'm making, it, you're coming out of the secured area down that escalator. Right. And... There's not a, a, an equivalent going back up because you're behind a secured area. I think if you come in that bottom level, you, there's an escalator immediate like left and go up or immediate okay. right and go okay. up. This is hard to explain and right. visualize, but what, what, what's your question? Well, I'm, all I'm saying is just another alternative to... Uh, instead of being to, on that main level. Well, to, instead of, yes, on the, on the baggage claim level, waiting for your ride yeah. to come pick you up. If the ride's upstairs yeah. on the arrival, which it's not where it's supposed to be, but yeah. I'm just trying to use all the tricks in the bag yeah. here to, yeah. to uh, uh, make it a more pleasant trip to the airport. So we didn't rip the airport as Therese often did on his uh, on his podcasts and his shows which was a lot of fun because we I, spent a lot of time talking about Atlanta and LA and three of us Arizona much, three of us are much better than things <laughs> 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 alright guys uh, thanks for the conversation thanks Blair that'll do it for today thanks to randy mason for putting together the show and to our sports beat casey staff of monty davis jeff rosen and scott chasen tip of the cap to sam mcdowell and vahe gregorian for sharing their insights morning sports edition is the best digital sports page in the usa see what i mean by going to liveedition.kansascity.com Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.